Hello and welcome to another episode of the Flat Back Three. We are back. Of the three of us today, I'm joined by George Woodgate Turner and Alistair the Claret Crusader Blackwell Dos Santos back from Mexico. I am, of course, your host. I'm your host, Toby Wellington, and we welcome you to the Flat Back Three. Gents, how are we getting on? All good? All good here. Thank you, mate. Yeah, wonderful. All good. good to be back. Alistair, obviously, join us back, having got back from Mexico, what, yesterday or Friday? Yeah, yesterday. Nice. And did you uh, did you engage in much football news or football stuff in Mexico? I tried as much as possible. Um, oh, what, Mexican football? or just Any football. football. Any football. Yeah, Mexican, if you could. It was, um, it was a struggle at times, but, like, just because of the time difference. But I made, I tried to fit in as much as I could. Um, I made sure I watched the City Liverpool games and all of that. So I well, did you any foot Villa games, um, which was thankfully there wasn't <laughs> any, so <laughs> that was all right. Um, but yeah, no. It was and good. did you see Rafael Marquez? <laughs> Marquez? No, I didn't. Who is that? <laughs> what do you mean? Who's that? The legend that used to play for Barcelona. Uh, right. No, I didn't. Well, <laughs> That's shocking from you. Players from you, like you, sorry. I know Pele and Maradona. <laughs> oh, yeah, but they weren't Mexican, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, weren't they? Oh, shit. <laughs> but anyway, welcome to the Flatback Three. Obviously, great to have all of us back together. We're going to talk about the Premier League scores first and foremost. Myself, I am wearing a Burnley shirt today, and it's worth talking about the fact that Burnley have climbed out of the relegation zone at the expense of Everton. Burnley winning 1-0 at Turf Moor against Wolves today. Everton losing 2-0 against Liverpool. George, as our resident Liverpool fan, did you watch the Merseyside derby? I did indeed. Um, and how did you uh, find it, sir? Yeah, I mean, two great results this week. Obviously, thrashing United in midweek as well. So, two wins over our rivals this week, which is fantastic. Um, I think Mane was a little bit fortunate not to be sent off with his instant with Holgate. Um, but yeah, convincing win. Delighted for Origi to yeah. <laughs> shine for the Reds once again. And, and, uh, and yeah, what is likely to be his last Merseyside derby as well? Yeah, so enjoying his last period. Uh, apparently, he's reported to go off to Milan in the summer. Yeah. So um, yeah, delighted to just watch him for the last kind of. So it feels like he's been there for years. You know, probably mm. I don't know if he is our longest serving player in the in the club we- actually. But. He has been there since he broke through. And was it the Brazil World Cup where he broke through? I can't remember, but he came through as like a 19-year-old, didn't he, that made the Belgium squad against all odds and then did quite well and then was signed up by Liverpool. So mm. a, uh, a long, he is a long-serving player. I don't know if he's been there. I don't, he's not been there as long as Henderson. Um, oh, yeah, Henderson. But he has been there for a long time. Now, Alistair, did you manage to get to watch the Merseyside derby today? I actually did. I came through the door and it was there on the screen ready for me to watch so uh yeah i watched that game Perfect very game. impressed or how, how did you guys because i do you know what? one of the things that really like i did i made a tweet about it because i don't tweet unless i'm annoyed about something normally um i it seemed like no one was really complaining about everton time wasting like they were atletico a couple of weeks it's funny when it's an english team isn't it mm. uh, yeah. how did you find it watching it seeing everton trying to waste so much time and richarlison spending three quarters of the first half on the floor yeah, it's an interesting one. I've never really kind of thought about that, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really want to kind of want to suspect anything. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Everton obviously came in with a game plan, didn't work, and uh, the Reds have come away with three points. So, happy days. It's, it, I just found it really interesting because I was watching it and there was obviously... They were time-wasting, they were sitting on the edge of their box and they were trying to wind Liverpool up exactly like Atletico did, but mm. no one was talking about it the way that they were slagging off Simeone and Atletico, saying that this is anti-football and that they shouldn't be able to play that way. Mm. I thought it was really interesting. Everyone seems to give English teams a pass when they do it, don't they? Mm. Yeah. Well, it's the, mm. this, the thing about it as well is like, it's a bit humiliating for Everton, you know, like you want to win your games and, and you're in a position where you have to win games. Like, yeah, mm. you know, you can, you can understand a point's a point and it's crucial. So every point does matter, but like you need to win games. Everton, uh, Burnley, sorry, are putting the pressure on every single game at the moment and Everton aren't matching that. And mm. so they've got themselves in a position where 
their third bottom they're in relegation now and and it's their own fault and and yeah okay you can say Liverpool a Liverpool and you're very unlikely to beat them but at the same time like a Merseyside derby is a derby and and in mm. any derby if you've got the passion then to a certain extent it out a, a lot of the time it does outweigh the quality because the um the uh what am I trying to think of the act the actual um atmosphere or yeah like the uh the actual the expectation well the game itself is big because it's a derby not because <laughs> of like you know certain things like liverpool being a bigger team than them or that um just like the manchester derby is in every other one like tottenham mm. arsenal like they'll always be in the game generally speaking if you've got Look, the passion and, and there's so i'm sure that I'm sure that it didn't go down. I understand, like you said, that they're point to point, but Everton fans can't be happy going to Anfield and trying to get a point. Like, Mm. you want them to at least try and win the game, don't you? And, you know, there were moments of controversy, but I feel like, like you said, George, the Mane incident, yeah, he should have been sent off maybe, but at the same time, that's what... The thing is, people will argue that he should have been sent off, but VAR had a look at it and they decided he shouldn't be. So, mm. what can you say that the V, like we criticize VAR, but mm. it's not for us to necessarily say anything, is it? Like, it was actually so a bit we, of a nice change from a Liverpool fan, like to see a little bit more passion in this game, I'd say. Mm. Like, <laughs> with uh, Merseyside or any sort of derbies in the, in the past, you expect a bit of controversy, don't you? And, um, not, not that I condone violence in any way, shape, or form, but it was, you know, it gets you off your seat, doesn't it? It gets, you know, the passion mm. runs through your veins. Well, you support your club. The other thing is, like, when a big, when it, like a massive club like Liverpool and like you've got, you know, City and Chelsea and stuff like that, when they like pull on the shirt, you wonder how much it actually means to them to play for that specific club crest. Because I doubt that like Salah, Mane, Diaz, Thiago, etc necessarily wanted to be at Liverpool at this stage of their career they might have had dreams of playing elsewhere and you wonder how much does it really mean to them on a derby day and then you see today and you're like oh they do care that is really good like because that makes you want to support that team even more because they are saying look we want to fight for these points and we're happy to roll over Everton or who or Man United in midweek as well so yeah. really I interesting think- let's talk about you know sorry go on, Alistair. I was just going to say as well like it- a player like McGinn, for example, is an old-fashioned player. Um, here it is. Back He's back, and so is. I don't think we've talked about Villa for the last couple of weeks. Well, that's good because I didn't want you humiliating them without me being able to try and defend them. Um, and fair. Well, if you were defending them, it's more defending than Villa do at the minute. Well, we got a clean sheet the other day, didn't we? Oh, nil-nil! Woo-hoo. Oh, yeah. No. Um. So, what I was just going to quickly say was like passion in football for playing for your teams has been watered down now just by money you know it just has essentially um that's what i mean though that's what i mean like these big players like you look at united are probably a really good example and what everyone was talking about afterwards like gary neville who i I don't really like gary neville and Mm. like a load of the stuff he says i think is absolute tosh after games but when he was saying about Hannibal, who came on and like put himself about, I agree with that because you can see that all these Man United players that are on loads of money don't really care about no. playing for United and playing against Liverpool because if they did, they'd put themselves about a bit more and they you know, fly into a challenge. And it's like you said, George, you're not condoning violence, but it's like we always, like even like when we played youth football, we didn't play at the highest level, but you, you think like if you're in a big game, big derby, or like it's a title race and you're, you're trying to stop someone else getting the title... If the ball's there to be won, you take the man with you. Like, it's just one of those. You don't have to hurt someone. You just win everything. Um, Let's talk about Burnley on the other side of of the Everton and the relegation scrap thing. Last week, we talked about Sean Deitch getting sacked (laughs) and said it was a huge mistake. Whoops. (laughs) Mike Jackson's done an incredible job. Um, Seven points from a possible nine. And obviously they beat Wolves today, 1-0. A great result for Burnley. Um, actually, I'll tell you what, Alistair, what was your reaction to Deitch getting sacked? Because obviously we talked about it last week. What was your initial reaction? Um, I thought it was just based on the most previous sackings um, it, and everyone's reaction. It seemed like it was badly timed. Um, you, yeah. you kind of think, okay, it, it, it's one of those sackings where it's 
you know, for the owners and that, it, it, it's a case of this could go massive, like this could go hugely for us and we could be geniuses with this or it could go tits up. And most of the time you think it's going to go tits up because Deitch is another type of manager who has the experience to get out of those situations and he's done it on every single occasion pretty much for the last several years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he's not in the most horrendous position um, with what eight games to go at the time. So, so you just think, it, I, I was surprised, but then at the same time, just not as surprised because uh, it seems to be happening so often now. Um, but yeah, fair play to them. You know, they've got the yeah. points on the board and, and it seems like the right games came at the right time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, they could have had so much. Like, we talk about Everton, and I will bounce back to Everton quickly. They've got Chelsea-Leicester in their next two. Um, not easy games. And Burnley haven't got to play... They haven't got to play any of the big boys, really, until the end of the season. I think they got to play Spurs is probably their toughest game. So the next top. game next game is, a, is Watford. So, you yeah. know, that's a... What, that, Watford that's away. A, Watford away, if you get another... Like, basically, if Burnley get a point on the road then they keep themselves, as a minimum, well well within touching distance of Everton. So, yeah. you know, George, we talked about the sacking last week, thought it was a mistake. Obviously, we hold our hands up and say that they're doing a great job. Um, how are you feeling this week, having a look at Burnley? Are they doing anything different? Is the team any different than what Deitch would have done? Man, I'm so confused. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, we already... Everyone, I think everyone in the f- football community like praise Sean Dyche so like highly for what the work he's done at Burnley. Get sacked like out of the blue, like everyone's like so enraged about it. And then yeah, they've just gone on this really, really good run in the last three mm-hmm. games. Um, so make, which makes me think maybe maybe the players stopped running for Dyche. Maybe there was unrest in the in the dressing room. And maybe Dyche lost the players because, yeah, as, as you're seeing now, I, I can't imagine um, the the new head coach's name. I'm not what, what's Mike, his name? Mike Jackson. Mike, Mike Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, I, I can't imagine he'll be doing much tactically too different to the end no. of the season. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm quite bewildered by <laughs> by the whole thing. Yeah, it's it is really strange. I tell you what, I did hear one really interesting thing. I think it was on BBC Radio Five Live earlier on. And um, I think it was Clinton Morrison, who, again, I can't really stand as a pundit because he says some things that I just hate, which I'll touch on in a minute because there's one really funny point that he mentioned. But um, he said that, you know, Deitch has been there for ages and all of his coaching staff have been there for a really long time. And sometimes you just stop responding to the same voice when it's the same voice for a long period of time. It doesn't motivate you anymore. Um, and that's not necessarily the manager, but because Deitch hadn't changed his coaching staff and this, like the nucleus of the squad hadn't really changed, things become stale. So it takes a new couple of ideas or even a new voice just to get something out of a group of players that have been there for a long time. Yeah, well, that's what Ferguson famously did, didn't he? Oh, he's brought yeah. in a new coach every couple of years just to freshen up. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, that's yeah, interesting. that's an interesting point. Well, I was going to say as well, like... For the Burnley players themselves, this now is basically their time to show that they they want to be there um, oh, for yeah, the next yeah. manager. So it's always that bit as well of can you like for each individual player, it's a case of right, I can step up now, and whoever the next manager is will look back at these games and see what my character is like, how I react mm-hmm. to something like that. So um, so that always has an effect as well, doesn't well, there's, it? So, there's also the fact that when you drop into the championship, then like the club apparently are in a bit of financial trouble anyway. If they go down, we talked about that last week briefly. Um, yeah. They're playing for their futures as well. Yeah. And I yeah. think that one of the things that Mike Jackson's probably said is you've got nothing to lose. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you play these games. If we, you know, try and defend or we try and get a point like Everton did today doesn't really help Burnley because they have to catch Everton so just go out there and try and win the game I mean I didn't watch the Burnley game today I haven't seen the highlights yet but you know they won it 1-0 I should imagine that they were the better team like they were against Southampton in midweek and um and yeah I think that they've got they've got a great chance of staying up Everton's running is way harder than Burnley's I know that um but yeah I think I think that 
Actually, that's a good point. Who do you think is going to stay up? Like genuinely, who who do you who does your heart say will stay up at the minute? Because I've been saying all season that Everton will stay up based on the quality of their squad, but they aren't winning games. Watford and Norwich. I am I'm committing to Norwich going down now. <laughs> He's done it! <laughs> Norwich are gone! <laughs> He's written them off. Yeah, I watched I watched the highlights this morning of on match the day of Norwich to, and this morning I thought they just haven't got enough there, have they? They've Who, got nothing. They've no. got nothing. Like they've got at the back, they don't have enough. And up front, Timu Puki doesn't score enough goals. As much as he scores like double figures, he's the only one that does. Mm. And then, he, like, I don't mean to rip into Norwich, but they haven't got any midfielders that you would say are a really, really good standard. So you're looking from back to front. They've not really got any quality that you would take out of that team and put elsewhere. No. Which is a big problem for them. Yeah. So I think uh, Watford and Watford and Norwich for me. And I don't know. I can't make my mind up between Burnley and Everton now. And Leeds are only two, two points in front of um, Burnley as well. So... I Boom, but I think off. that I, I haven't Leeds got have Leeds got a game in hand. Oh, I'm not sure. I've not got the table up in front of me. I'm pretty sure Leeds got a game in hand. But um I feel like Leeds, as much as like yeah, they could get dragged into it. There's something in me that says Leeds are okay. Mm. Uh, I can, basically I can see Leeds picking up more points than Burnley and Everton. But it's who picks up the most out of those two. And with Burnley leapfrog and Everton this weekend it's on Everton now to do what Burnley have done and catch them up. Mm. It's, it's thrilling. It really is because it's arguably, and I don't know if you agree, it's arguably one of the most exciting Premier League seasons I can remember for a long time because the title race is one point. The race for the top four is one point. Oh, no, sorry, two points between Tottenham and Arsenal. Um, and then the relegation race is one point mm. after today. So it's really exciting this season. Like, obviously, if you're an Everton fan, it's not. If you're a United fan, it's not. If you're a Villa fan, it's not. But, you know, everyone else is having a great time. Good for them. But <laughs> I, I do want to touch on, before we move on, I do want to touch on that thing that Clinton Morrison said and get your thoughts on this. So I was listening to a podcast and it annoyed me so much, I actually turned the podcast off. Um, Clinton Morrison was talking about, because obviously we'll talk about the fact Eric Ten Hag is coming to United, which obviously they lost against Arsenal, but Eric Ten Hag is coming to United. Um, Clinton Morrison said that it's brand new for Eric Ten Hag coming to Man United because um, he has no pressure on him at Ajax, whereas Man United's a proper big club. And I thought, oh yeah, there's no pressure at Ajax where you're expected <laughs> to win a domestic double every single season and challenge for the Champions League. I just think like some pundits are so stupid. But like, let's talk about Ten Hag to United. Is it the right appointment? What are your thoughts? Alistair chuckled straight away. So let's go to you, mate. I was going to say, um, before I say anything, I saw this comment on um, one of the websites online and um, it had me in light stitches. Eric Ten Hag is an anagram of eat gherkin <laughs> and i fear that man united will remain in a, a club the um remain a club in a pickle <laughs> i just loved it when i saw it i just thought oh, it just made me piss myself i'm um, glad you enjoyed it <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on ten hard coming across because obviously I, I thinking about it looking at other stuff reading and listening to other things not many Dutch managers have great success in the Premier League, other than Gus Hiddink for Chelsea won the league title that one time. But like the likes of Koeman and Louis van Gaal as well have struggled in the Premier League. Um, Frank de Boer was like sacked after like what four weeks as the Palace manager. Obviously, there are others that I'll probably forget, but they've not had great success. And I think that one thing to think about is that Eric Ten Hag comes to United having not managed a massive budget and massive players and massive personalities. You look at the squad he's got at the minute, it's, it's Premier League rejects and, you know, the best of the Dutch league. So what are your thoughts on him coming across? And do you think that he can actually be a success at United or are United just stuck in a rut and they're going to struggle for years to come? Well, I think, like, even if you take out the, the Dutch aspect, the fact that he's a Dutch manager and all of them have failed pretty consistently um, I just think it's 
like you know it goes back to the, the same point probably we've said over and over it's not about like the manager it's about how like toxic the club itself has become um over a long extended period of time and um and so he could he could make a difference but it ain't going to be straight away and ah. that's the that's the massive reality check whether you want wishful thinking or not they if they you know it they said it before obviously since Fergie it was going to take a long process and they've screwed up that whole process and the player they they bought in the wrong players at the wrong times and um and it just for me it's a case of a lot of that squad has to be shipped off because of their it's not about them players as their quality because they are good players on their day but it's more about the the fact that they're part of the problem and yeah. oh, massively, yeah. or not, and so the toxicity remains in the whole squad. So if, if like, really, one of the things he needs to say is like, right, well, I'm going to get rid of a lot of players, um, and yeah. you have to, you have to accept, like, I need f- time, like Klopp, I need four or five years to build a team, and really get United like back to what United were, which like Keane says it all the time about the passion and wanting to play for United. Like no one, it's just, no one wants to play for them anymore. It's it's like we, it's like we talked about a minute ago. Do they have the passion to play for that club or are they actually just getting paid the most to go to United? Um, It's like you said though, like the players have to be shipped out. The ones that are not good enough or not wanting to be there. Because the thing is, if like, if the wood on a ship starts to rot and you just keep, changing the captain the ship is still going to go down eventually so United have to change more than just the person at the helm so I'm going to come to George now on this point just really quickly like Alistair said it needs to be a rebuild job will United give him the time because that's what they were supposedly going to give other managers but when things start going badly they start sacking them off so how do you see it going you think it's a good appointment do you think he'll get time (laughs) who knows who who actually knows I'd write him off <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I think I I probably would write him off to be honest with you he he does come with this attack like nice brand of football which he's uh, obviously um, got Ajax to play over the court four or five seasons he's been there but you just don't know like that um, Van, Van Gogh famously came out and said like onto the media like United are a commercial club you know, so they're not like a, a football club where someone can come in and put the philosophy. There are some owners above that are gonna, always yeah. going to have their stamp on what the manager does. And Well, there's also, so, George, just on to just add to your point and come back to you. You're talking about that sort of, um, what was the word you used? Like, like that culture within the club. Mm-hmm. If you think about Ajax, where he's coming from, they very much bring a player in on the cheap, get rid of them like for a profit and bring players up through the academy mm. he can't do that at United they need success now really mm. so is he going to be able to implement what he'd been doing at Ajax well this is the thing that's what I'm thinking like although I completely disagreed with his appointment Arteta has been given the time to rebuild and reshape the club over the past yeah. two, or season, two or three seasons he's been there so yes as, as uh, Alistair said like I think there's I'm actually quite excited for the summer window I'm excited to see like if it's going to be like a mass exodus of players leaving United and yeah. see who he brings in. If it's literally yeah. going to be like the youth team that comes up. And not, I think the club and the fans would actually enjoy watching the games because they might have players that are actually running around. They might lose a few games. And I think United will have to change their mentality of, like you said, Toby, like, Gary Neville and Roy Keane coming on every week saying, oh, it's United, you've got to, you've got to win these games, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, that's the United 20 years ago. That's the United 10 years ago. This is a yeah. new United we've got. You've, for... they've, got to, they've got to re-establish themselves as a Champions yeah. League side on a consistent basis and build upwards from that instead of thinking, this is the worst, we're only qualifying for the Champions League, we're not winning trophies, sack the manager, try again. Yeah, so, I mean... I can get see it going either way, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm more excited for the summer window than the actual season at, at, at the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. But we'll we'll move on from that. United, obviously, a very brief topic for us this evening. One other team that will be in the Premier League next season has been confirmed and will be active in the summer window, I'm sure, will be Fulham. Of course, the Cottagers promoted after beating Preston North End in midweek, 3-0. Fulham come up as one of the yo-yo clubs that we've mentioned in recent times. So just very briefly, before we move on to our next topic, can Fulham stay up? And if they come up well sorry when they come up what do they need and who do they need to stay up um experience just experience okay. like i think uh, you know they've look fulham were that yo have been a yo-yo club for a bit now um yeah. and they you know really they need to learn they need to have learned the lesson now um it's a, it's a blend obviously they need the experience they need to find a couple players which like could bring them a bit of luck like they get a bit of luck with players they bring in from abroad because that will happen and they fit in at the right time and it end into the premier league into the squad and in the, into the premier league and it works out for them um like the players they've got those players there which can do jobs like mitrovic needs to step up he yeah. Yeah. has done it every time in the championship this season he's been insane the season before when he was in Premier League, done nothing as far as I'm aware. I think, aware. I think um, he got two goals the last time they were in the Prem. Um, and this season he's got like 41. Yeah. So, you know, it's um, he needs to step up. So he's got his own challenge. Um, did you just hear the noise? Yeah. What are you doing? I, I, when I'm talking, I'm fiddling with my laptop case. Oh, so, yeah. I thought yeah. it was your trousers zipper. <laughs> yeah, he loves our faces. What, while I'm talking about Mitrovic, he needs oh. to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they need. I think yeah. you're right. They need to bring in Premier yeah. League experience, and they need a bit of luck with the players they bring in. If you think back to like the players they've brought in over recent years, they've brought in like Angisa, they've brought in like they brought in Vieto and Scherler, and they brought in like all sorts of defenders and goalkeeper. Like Ariola was there one season. I think you're right. They need to bring in a blend of Premier League experience and then a couple of almost surefire hits from overseas. Is that your opinion of it, George, as well? Or do they give what got them promoted a shout in the Premier League? Well, I think we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Like, they've tried both ends of the spectrum, haven't they? Like, was it, yeah. I think, the season before got- they got promoted last time, they spent, like, over £100 million and invested heavily. And um, Scott Parker, uh, the second, the last season... Uh, brought it, the the club, yeah, they brought the players that he that got him promoted. Yeah. So um, I'm not too sure, uh, to be honest with you. Um, they have, in my opinion, already made their first mistake, as it looks like Corvalio is going to be going to Liverpool uh, next mm-hmm. season. He's obviously played a, a very big part in Fulham's Championship campaign. Um, and in could the same way, on, could he go back on loan, maybe? Maybe. Well, I think if be he does, that will be very a very good move. I was be just going to quickly touch on Buendia. Obviously, did a really good job for Norwich, and then he left Aston Villa, and then Norwich didn't really replace him. So that could be something that goes against Fulham in that sense. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, maybe they'll create another league in between the Championship and Premier League, and that will be quite good. The European non-Super League. Yes. <laughs> It'll be Fulham, West Brom, Norwich. Fulham, West Brom, Norwich, Huddersfield, Sheffield United. Yeah. It'll be be bloody dreadful. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're both right. I think that they they need to do like the in-between of what they've done the last two times. They need to keep the core of what they've got, but they need to add, I think, three or four experienced players that can come into that team with Premier League experience. I think they need a new goalkeeper. I think that Rodak is a decent keeper, but... That's where I would strengthen first and foremost is with a with a Premier League standard goalkeeper and obviously could get Dean Henderson on loan from Man United. Could be a really good good shout. Tom Heaton, maybe, could be another one. Um, obviously, then you've got other positions like Nemanja Matic is on a free this summer. Could he be someone they could get in to play holding midfield with all that experience? Could be a good shout. So it's just one of those things that they need to think about a lot, I think. Quickly, just quickly say as well, like Mitrovic clearly has the talent um, oh, yeah. But when you step up to the Premier League, it's not just about him; it's about how you feed him. Because it's his service. The yeah. pace as well, exactly. So the service is going to be really important for Mitrovic as well. So 
you would, for Fulham's sake, you'd like to hope they have learned the lesson from the lack of service for Mitrovic last time and they yeah. figure that out this time, whether it's stay with the same players or yeah. get in a couple of experienced or one experienced player who knows how to do it a bit more as well. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not like we're saying they should just get players to hoof it in the box towards Mitrovic. Like, he can play as well, but it's that approach play that you take to Mitrovic. Like, when they bring up players that, sorry, they bring players in that haven't played with him or haven't played in that system, maybe, that's when they struggle. But then again, you can say that last time, they obviously brought up most of the squad that got them promoted and they still struggled. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. But um, we're going to move on now. Very briefly, on to our best 11 to wear number one to 11. We've been trying to do it, but obviously with Alistair being in Mexico for the last few weeks, we haven't got past the last couple of numbers. So as an update, we first of all did the best number sixes in Premier League history, which we gave to Gareth Barry. Uh, the Premier League's best ever number nine went to Alan Shearer. And this week we are talking about the best number threes in Premier League history. And I'm going to come to George to give us his first candidate to wear the number three in our one to 11. Uh, so I'm going to go for my second choice to start off with. And I'm going to go for Patrice Evra. Okay. Um, obviously, Man United's left back for a very, very long time in the Fergie era. Uh, probably the left back I associate with when I watch Man United growing up as well. Yeah. Um, captain for the club. Um, and for me, I just put him second behind my first place, first choice. Um, there was not much in between it, but I think my first choice um, is an all-rounder or more yeah. rounded left back. Um, so yeah, Patrice Effer is my uh, is my is my first option. Yeah, Alistair, do you have Patrice Effer? Yeah, I did actually. Uh... I did as well. I think that you can't deny the fact that he was a great left back as much as maybe sometimes you might not have liked him through his career, but he was a fantastic left back. Um, obviously, just to remind everyone of the rules, it's they had to wear the number three. It's not just who played left back or who was a number three. So they have to have the number three on their back and. I think that as someone who won multiple Premier Leagues, multiple domestic trophies, Champions League, he obviously won uh, like loads of caps for France as well. And like you said, George, I associate him with well, not just Man United, but the left-back position pretty much mm. through my youth. Um, I think Patrice Ever was probably the best left-back for a number of years in the Premier League. Um, some would maybe say he was the best left-back in the world for a number of years. But um, yeah. I think that's a really good shout. Patrice Evra is definitely in the conversation. Alistair, do you want to give us one of yours? And if it's a Villa player, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> I literally did not think of a Villa player at all. Unless it was... That's because Steve... there are no good Villa players. I, I had Steve Staunton, but... <laughs> I was like 90, so yeah, exactly. Come on, um, give, us, give us your other... Give us one of your top ones. Well, the top one's the obvious one, isn't it? So, well, let's I've... give a non-obvious one because I think we've all agreed okay. on our favourite. Yeah, that'd be boring. Um, so I actually struggled a bit with. More... I will say, I will say, there are not loads of good number threes. Yeah. So I actually with, I went outside the box in terms of, like greatest all time is going to be a longer. <laughs> Prepare for the Villa player. Um, no, so greatest greatest of all time is going to have a longer period in the Premier League. So I'm not expecting one of these players to be one of them. But mm -hmm. since they've been in the Premier League, they've done good jobs, these three. So um, I'll go for any of them, but I'll go with Marcus Alonso. Okay, that's a really interesting yes. one. Talk us, talk us through why he made your list, because it's, it is about our preference it's not based on any specific yeah. criteria so why did he make your list because he's, he's not in mine i'll be honest yeah so just for the initial reason um he was always a player which kind of always caught my eye um kind of like um this season it's been uh see i've gone mind blank now city uh jao cancelo like when he plays he catches your eye um, because he's just a good player. And Marcus Alonso was obviously uh, Chelsea's, one of Chelsea's defenders and that, and, but he was always in the attacking front as well. He always seemed to be one of those attacking type players, always mm. taking um, a lot of the free kicks and scored several as well, which were really good. Um, and that was the main reason, to be honest. Like 
for one of the most more recent players. He's done it, you know, he's been with Chelsea for what five, six years now. Yeah, yeah. He's been back. So he's for done a it while. relatively well. He's been a relatively consistent player. Um but you think about it, you like you think about the fact that they've got the likes of Chilwell in their squad and he still plays a lot. I know Chilwell's injured right now, um, but he still plays a majority of games like throughout the time that he's been under Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, and he seems to add a bit more of a like a certain versatility to him. Um, he can't, he doesn't just have to play in one place. He can play like he seems to play left back, maybe centre half, or in a deeper midfield position sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, versatile player can defend, can attack, can score free kicks. Just stood out for me, you know. That was yeah. that, and that's probably similar with another one of the players who's very similar actually. Um, yeah, who you'd. I think you'd understand if I said, um, but yeah, you know, it's. Um... And we can never forget that he also had a spell on loan at Bolton earlier in his career. So, oh, there you go. I was unaware of that. Oh yeah, he was on loan at Bolton from Atletico Madrid, I think, when he was wow. originally back in Spain. Then he went to Fiorentina before coming across to Chelsea. Am I right there, George? Yeah, I definitely remember him playing for Bol- uh, Bolton. Yeah. So he's kind of done his bit. He was in the Premier League to start off with, didn't quite work out, and he's come back again. So, yeah, I think it's a good shout. Yeah, I think it's a really good shout. And one that I didn't I didn't really give much time or thought, to be honest. I don't know if I thought of him, because the last time I looked at this was just before you went to Mexico. So <laughs> I haven't really looked at it for a while. Oh, yeah, I'm going to put one of mine that is a little bit of a strange, out-of-the-box sort of one as well. Um, and I've gone for a Liverpool player. Um, and it's not the one that's currently playing. I've actually gone for Steve Finnan. Um, and the reason I say Steve Finnan is not because I don't think he will be the greatest number three of all time. But when you put him up there with length of time that he played in the Premier League and the amount of trophies he won, he should be in this conversation because he won a lot of domestic trophies and he won a Champions League in his time at Liverpool. Um, and he played a large number of games for Liverpool in the Premier League, as well as going on to play for other clubs. So I think that he deserves a mention as a minimum. George, obviously you're a big Liverpool fan. Steve Finnan, a player that you think of as a, as a good player or no? Um, so in my head, I always have like my favourite 11 of like, since I support, started watching Liverpool. Steve Finnan, to be fair, he was in it for a long time. Um, it, and in my opinion, he was, um, he was replaced by Glenn Johnson. <laughs> but... So he's really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, Stephen, and he was a, a reliable uh, Premier League fullback. So now, um, yeah, that is. I mean, he played. I'm just looking. He played over 300 games in the Premier League. That's, yeah. that's pretty decent. He also yeah, played. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this. He played four games in La Liga for Espanyol. He went there for a year, which is also really wow. fun. But um, yeah, I just think that he's a player that. I don't think many people would think of, but he popped into my mind and I thought, actually, he probably deserves a bit of recognition. He won a Champions League, he won domestic trophies, he was part of a Liverpool team that were a top four team before they transitioned out of the top four. Um, And yeah, I just think that he's a sort of player that deserves a bit of credit. Should we just talk about the guy who's going to win it? Yeah. Yeah, and then we'll talk about a couple of honourable mentions. Um, Ashley Cole? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be honest, I've already written him in our final team because <laughs> I didn't think that we were going to disagree on this. I mean, Ashley Cole is arguably the best left-back of all time, maybe, for some. Um, in terms of defensive and offensive quality, obviously the likes of Roberto Carlos also come to mind, but um, don't really remember Roberto Carlos for anything other than his free kicks, do you? So I think that Ashley Cole's up there as one of the very best. He's definitely England's best ever left-back, probably the Premier League's best ever left-back. Um, but in terms of number threes, I don't think it can be disputed other than him and Patrice Evra, really. Um, but what was it, George, first that made you say Ashley Cole should be in this team? Yeah, so like, just to go on what I was saying before, I was having a look at the stats of like their goals and assists and stuff, and there's not much in it at all, like from like what they've done in the, in the in their Premier League um, uh, time in the league. And it just shows like how tactics have evolved over time. Like probably when we grew up, started watching football properly, you know, defenders defended and attackers attacked. So um, Steve Finnan Finnan being a wonderful example of a right back who never crossed a halfway line. Yeah, he just did his job and that was that. But um, for me, yes, as you mentioned, Toby, I think he actually co-offered more of an attacking threat 
I think you, as you think of Ashley Cole, you think of this this wing. This well, it wasn't even a thing back then. But I was about to say a wing back that kind of he was the one that kind of got forward, helped with the wingers, and got balls in the box. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So and defending, like obviously Ronaldo is famously quoted that he had the toughest. uh, Ashley Cole was like his toughest opponent. I don't know if that's still to this day, but when he uh, he did come out and say that a few years ago. Um, So yeah, Ashley Cole for me. It's actually funny because doing the rounds at the minute, or I've seen it a few times in the last few weeks, is that like there's a compilation of Ashley Cole tackling Ronaldo over and over for like two minutes because he was the only player who I ever remember that kept Ronaldo completely in his pocket, to be honest. Um, Alistair, you obviously got Ashley Cole as well. Is there anything that made him clearly your favourite? Because I think, like we said, Patrice Ever is the only one really that could touch him. Um, and like you said, George, the stats are the same. They've both won huge amounts of trophies. But Ashley Cole, I think it's fair to say, Ashley Cole did it his whole career in the Premier League, which is another reason that maybe he comes above Evra. And he also did it for two of the biggest clubs in England. Think about the success he had at Arsenal. And then he went straight to Chelsea and was part of their successful period as well. Mm-hmm. He's probably one of the most decorated players in Premier League history as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think there's probably a... There might be a slight bias with us being English that there's that kind of, you know, we we watched him for England as well. He was always a regular for England and he was always playing. And there was a reason he was always playing for both country at club and country because he was a consistent, solid player. And like you like you said, George, like he kind of epitomised that uh, the overlapping of what a left back used to be. And what a left back is now, where you got your full, well, say left back, a, a wing back, full back, like they are v- a, a wing back or full back nowadays is just as much an attacking player as a defensive player. And um, and he was one of a few in that time, um, like in the early noughties and all of that, coming to um, like 2010 onwards, where he was um, just as much an attacking and, and as defending, like you said defended well as well so I I just don't think it's you know much of a much of a debate personally but yeah like him or ever but definitely got to be a Coley boy yeah so we've gone with Ashley Cole um, and which is interesting because our number three six and nine are all English so we've got Ashley Cole Gareth Barry and Alan Shearer so far Um, and next week we'll move on to another number I think that next week would be really nice to transition into our uh into our first non-multiple of three, and we'll go with the uh, the best number sevens in Premier League history. Oh. So we are going to be doing the best number sevens next That's week. It's going to be hard. That'll be a really tough one, and I'm looking forward to it. But let's go with another honourable mention each as well, if we've got one. Alistair, you mentioned that you had like three that you could have picked from. So should we have one of your other honourable mentions? Yeah, so well, I'll just I'll stick with what I've said before. Like this player seemed to be quite similar to Alonso um, in his overall style of game, um, but actually, I would say he probably steps it up a slightly more, especially this season. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a case of with these players, it's a case of they haven't done it for an extended period of time. So it'd be uh, Fabinho. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, had, I had Fabinho as well, mainly, you know, one of the main reasons I picked Fabinho is because I think that when Liverpool signed him, that is that I think that is when, as much as obviously Van Dijk made a difference, it was Fabinho that made them a much harder team to beat. Mm-hmm. I think he, for me, I know that people love Kante, but this season, Fabinho is the best holding midfielder in the Prem for me. I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's debatable. Like Kante, I know he's not played as much, but that's not, you know, Fabinho's fault. I think Mm. Fabinho should be in the team of the season. I think he's been absolutely fantastic. He he almost reminds a bit of a like a Yaya Toure at the moment. Like solid, powerful, versatile. Started chipping in with goals recently. He he takes our penalties. He takes Liverpool's penalties. Quality at the moment. This season he's been great. Yeah, he's he's arguably been player of the season in that position this season. Yeah. He could be a he could be a shout and he won't win it because holding midfielders just don't. But he could be a shout for like football writers player of the year this year because he's been fantastic. But um yeah, no, he was my sort of main other honourable mention. George, did you have anyone else you wanted to give a shout out for this? I did. Um you mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, Toby, and you thought <laughs> a bit of an outside 
of the box sort of option. Uh, I've gone for Gareth Bale as well, because of course he was number three before he was number 11 for Tottenham. Yeah. So um, yeah, he was like, obviously started off as a left back. Yeah. Then I think he changed into a left midfielder, uh, still wearing the number three and obviously uh, tore up the Prem uh, in that position. So uh, Gareth Bale, I thought, yeah, no. mentioned as well. 100%, 100%. And I think that it's really interesting that I remember Gareth Bale was still wearing number three that night. He tore into Milan apart in the San Siro. Mm. So, yeah, he definitely deserves a shout out. But I don't think that any of the players we've mentioned there could get anywhere near um, Cole or Evra. And it was down to one of those two. And we've gone with Ashley Cole. So we've got Ashley Cole, number three, Gareth Barry, number six, and Alan Shearer, number nine. And next week, we will pick the number seven for our team, the first that is not a multiple of three, which is all, <laughs> of course. Um, we're going to move on to our to our quiz, Alistair. The quiz that you do lead. I have given George a point whilst you've been away because he answered one trivia question that I didn't think he'd get, and I what said was that the he question. What was William Gallas's squad number when he was at Arsenal? Uh, seven or something, wasn't it? No, Ten. four. Ten. Ten. Was it? Yeah. Ten. So, Take a point away. <laughs> so going into this week, um, going into this week, George Alistair, it's George with 16, Alistair with 19. Um, the winner of the quiz this week is going to, sorry, no, it's it's one point per answer this week um, because I've done like gone back to the traditional formula of who, you know, whoever shouts out first gets the answer, gets the point, etc. So completely up for grabs this week it could be the same it could be someone pulling way further ahead could be someone you know pulling further behind George um so for anyone that is a first time listener for anyone that's forgotten because we haven't done the quiz for a few weeks basically Alistair and George are going up against each other on a weekly basis and the loser will wear their biggest rivals kit on the last podcast of the Premier League season gents are you ready for the quiz Okay, this quiz, in honour in honor of Alistair's recent little trip, is about Premier League Mexicans. Great. <laughs> okay, so whoever shouts their name out first gets to answer the question. Obviously, I'm going to go to whoever's box lights up first or who I hear first from my end. Okay, so number one, Giovanni Dos Santos played for which Premier League Barrett. team? Alistair. Tottenham. It was Tottenham Hotspur. Good lad. He loves his Mexicans. He loves his Mexicans. What can I say? Um, so Alistair is on the board, 1-0. Number two, Carlos Vela made his Premier League debut for Arsenal. In... Oh. Damn it. Go on. <laughs> in which year? Not what well, that's not even the question. So go say. ahead and have a guess. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um in which stadium? <laughs> okay, Alistair's out. George, you get to answer right. first. I'll finish yeah. the question. <laughs> Carlos Vela made his Premier League debut for Arsenal. In which kit number? Oh, I was kit number. Uh, um, 32? It's not 32. Clara? Go on, Clara. 17. It's not 17. I'll give you one more guess each. Okay, I'll go for 16. It's not 16. Seven. It's not seven. It was number 12. Mm. Carlos Vela wore number 12 on his Premier League debut for Arsenal. Javier Hernandez, obviously Chicharito, as most people might know him, played in the Premier League for Man United and which other team? Woodgate. West Ham. It is West Ham United. So he played for West Ham and Manchester United. It's 1-1 after three questions. Three questions to go. Who... What the hell does that say? Oh, who did Wolves sign Raul Jimenez from? Woodgate. Go on. Benfica. Oh, it is Benfica. It is Benfica. He's taken the lead. It's 2-1 after four questions. Alistair, you didn't have a clue then, did you? I didn't have a clue, mate, no. <laughs> he just shook his head straight away. <laughs> okay. Mexico legend Carlos Salcedo played 23 times in the Premier League, but for who? Woodgate. Go on. Fulham. It is Fulham <laughs> as well. Oh, my God. Well. He's absolutely smashing it. <laughs> 
3-1 to Turner. And that, well, Georgia, one behind now. On the final question, you could level it in the series. What is Mexico's highest ever world ranking? So what's the uh, highest world ranking that Mexico have ever achieved? Um, three. Good from. So three. Okay, George. I'll let George answer as oh, well. Okay. Uh, ten. Well, we the closest to something. Yeah, why not? Okay. Well, it's too late now because you said three and George oh, yeah. said ten. Uh, it was actually fourth. They actually got to fourth uh, a few times. They managed to get the fourth four different times. So Alistair gets the point there. So after six questions about Mexican footballers in the Premier League and Mexico, Alistair had two and George had three. three. I nearly lost my ability to count there. So the final score after this week is 19 for George and 21 for Alistair. So George Whoa. has closed the gap ever so slightly, but Alistair's opened it up to two points with that final question. What do you reckon? Mexican Premier League football questions are the best, yeah? I mean, but I wasn't expecting that to come out of your mouth. <laughs> so, in honour of Alistair's little trip to the land of tequila and sunrise. Yeah. Oh, don't speak to me about tequilas, man. Seriously. Oh, I don't want to know what you got up to on tequilas in Mexico, mate. I just um just want to make a quick point. Uh, oh. Not point, just um just a little mention. Um, or actually, no. It's just it's a quick- this is this is this is a disclaimer. This is a disclaimer for everything that he's done to upset the people of Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go on to that. Um, no. Oh. So uh, a quick question for you two, quiz one. Oh. Um, what what team has recently um, been uh, like relegated from league football? Who used Oldham to Oldham Athletic. In the Premier League. Let me finish the question, man. Seriously. Yeah, but I got it right. Not what year did Carlos Vela do? Yeah, I'd have got it right if I finished it off. I, I thought we were like going like in Mexico then. I'm like, how the oh, hell no. was I to know this? It was no, so, with, yeah, so, so, so this week Oldham Athletic became the first team to have played in the Premier League that got relegated to non-league football after I was really hoping that was going to be one of the questions because oh, I was so prepared for that. But they never played in Mexico. No. Well, how do you know? They may have had a pre-season out there. You never know. Exactly. Never played a league game. That was about Premier League yeah. Mexicans. Yeah. Ah, ah. Yeah. Well, this has been the flatback three. As always, it's been an absolute thrill with these two fools with me. It's been Alistair, the Claret Crusader, Blackwell, Dos Santos, and George Woodgate Turner. I've been Toby Wellington. Don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, watch, listen on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram. And don't forget also, we recently did an interview that's on YouTube and Spotify with former Peterborough United left back Jamie Day. We've been the Flatback Three. Thank you for listening, and we will see you soon.